We're talking about friendships. What do you want to be known for when, when, um, as, as people think about you? Um, but at the, at the same time, as we kind of talk about today, sometimes we don't know, necessarily measure up to what we want to be. And so we project an image of who we want to be or who we think we should be, and no one really gets to know the real you, all right? So I, you got your church face on, all right? The church, all right? Like this never happens in the church where we project an image of what we think, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that that was happening or whatever's going on. We live in the Instagram social media world where people project an image of what we think we want to be or show, but no one gets to know the real you and open up. And Jesus said, you're, you're to love each other, love one another. And so as we, I know we forget about everything that happened pre-Labor Day, and I'm not thinking that everybody remembers every word of my sentence. I barely remember what I was talking about two weeks ago. But just as a review, we set this up of where we're headed this month and talking about relationships. We talked about why. Why community? And we said in week one that you need other people. Um, it is in your DNA to be in relationship with people. Why? Because you're created in the image of God. And what do we know about God? He's, he's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are in perfect unity, uh, in, in connection and in relationship with one another. You are made in his image. So that, that intrinsically is in you to belong, to know God and to know others, to be known by God and to be known by others. And so we, 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 we strive and crave for this type of connection with people. It said in, in when God created, he kind of reiterated this. He, he created, he created, he created, and it was good. It was good. It was good. He looked upon his creation and it was good. And then in chapter two, you get your first not good. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And, and so this idea of community that we're talking about, this idea of connection and relationship really has nothing to do with marriage. Because you and I don't have to think too hard to know, and maybe you're like, well, uh, you're people who are married who are deeply lonely and craving relationship and connection. And I know people who are single who have built a great, thriving community and relationships. And so it really has nothing to do with whether you're married or single or anything like that. It's just in us. It's a, it's a human thing. It's a, it's a being thing. We all want to belong and be accepted and be known. But then we talked about, too, it's not only that I need others, but in week two, we said that others need you. If you are a follower of Jesus, you need to, to know that God has gifted you and purposed you and aligned you and put you in, in a place where the people around you need you. That, that the friendships and the relationships that you have aren't centered around you, where they just feed you. you. You don't want to be friends with that person when the relationship centers around them. And Jesus, he told his disciples, he told his disciples in his final moments, if you're here in week two, among you, it will be different. You know how the world works, but with you, it doesn't center around you. All right, we are going to help and serve others. And so I need others but others need me, and together we grow in this. Community with God is not optional. And you may feel like it's 
it's, it's preferred or better. I like it. It's safer. I just, you know, me, I'm fine. But as a follower of Jesus, you cannot do all the one another's. You read the New Testament and you see one another, one another, one another, love one another, serve one another, accept one another. You can't do that by yourself. And so you are going, you can still be saved. I'm not talking about salvation, but I'm talking about purpose and fulfillment and joy and contentment. The things that God has called you to do in life, you cannot do that by yourself. It requires community. It requires being in each other's lives. I don't know why adults struggle with friendship so much. And this last week, I went to a, a friend's wedding of ours. And I'm watching uh, my son, who's seven years old, and instantly, like, making best friends. I do, like, kids, and they know how to do this. They show up, and they're just like, hey, you want to play tag? And then they're playing tag, and then they're hide and seek. And then we're dressed up in clothes, and somehow he's in the sprinkler system, running through the sprinkler system, soaking wet while we're at a wedding, and they're having a great time. And now we're booked for a, some sort of play date that's happening uh, in the next how many weeks. Kids do this. Adults, we struggle with this. I'm going to kind of poke a little bit about that. Why do we do this? Why, why, do, we, why do we not? And I sometimes, uh, too, like I, I've, I remember I've taken a risk, and I've developed some friendships, developed some relationships. Uh, there was a, a guy who ended up being a really good friend of mine, but it started off a little weird and a little awkward. Um, we met at Starbucks one morning. It's like six o'clock in the morning, and we are kind of just meeting weekly and kind of just getting to know one another and having conversations and that sort of stuff, but it was going really good, and I really like this guy, and so we get there one, one um, morning at, at Starbucks, uh, and I'm having this conversation, and we're getting started, and I just kind of want to let him know, like, hey, I'm in, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm rocking this friendship, this relationship thing. I'm loving just our, our connection and stuff, but I'm, I'm like, I want to go a little bit deeper. So I said, hey, man, I would, I would just, just so you know, put my cards out on the table. I'd love to take our relationship to the next level. <laughs> and he did the same thing you did. He laughed in my face. <laughs> and so I was like, crap, that's terrible. Like, don't be weird, all right, when you're trying to do these things, all right? But at the same time, here's a key point and a key thought that I want to, I, I, I may not say it as much as I want, but you might want to write this down or take a picture or something. This is, this is really crucial, all right? Pe people will be impressed with your strengths, People will be impressed with your strengths, but they will connect. Connection. They will connect with your weaknesses. And so we had that awkward moment, and it was something throughout that kind of just broke the ice. He knew what I meant. I was able to power through, and we had a great friendship and just sharing and being awkward and vulnerable together. But people, we impress with our strengths, but we connect through our weaknesses. But because we want to avoid the awkward moment, because we fear rejection, we often avoid. Walls go up, and we don't want to be in pain. Like, if we get the right friendships, here's what I'm convinced of. You get the right friends in your life, you set yourself up for success in almost every area parenting. Oh man, I got a, a great set of mentors and friends who just 
help me and encourage me. Uh, career, finances. I got a great set of friends who just encourage me or help me keep me on path. Spiritually speaking, I have a great set of friends who encourage me, who don't let me give up. When I'm gone, they're like, hey man, we missed you. They, I, when you set up the right community and village of people, that not one person's going to fit all those things. You set yourself up for success. But we know on the flip side, when you have the wrong relationships in your life, the, un, uh, the, the amount of pain and destruction from the people that you have surrounded yourself with is almost unbearable. And so we will avoid because we've been hurt before. We've been burned before. And we don't want to risk that again. But again, as a Christ follower, I want to continue to press this button that you cannot want another by yourself. I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer this. But who has refrigerator rights in your house? Who has refrigerator rights in your house? Like, you think about it back in the day, like, uh, or a TV show where the, the person could just, the friend could walk in the back door or something unannounced, and they just open the fridge, and they got the Coke or the whatever, and they're just, they got refrigerator rights. They don't have to ask. Like, if I were to go to your house I'm probably not opening up your fridge. And if I am, I'm like, is this okay? Can I do this? Who has those rights in your house that you've built relationships with? A sociologist would say not many. Sociologists would say the average um, adult in the United States has about two close friends. And a large majority uh, would have less than that. Um, and the percentages would say that, like a fourth would say, I don't have any close friends like that. And there's some things that we can look at as to why we avoid those things. But Los Alamos, and you might feel the effects of this too, we don't have much material poverty in Los Alamos, although it does exist. But we are living in poverty in Los Alamos there is relational poverty that people live in day in and day out who are lonely, who are desperate for a connection and a friend and community. And there's some things that cause that. Uh, socio this is just some sociology thing. I'm kind of researching it. Why? Why do we struggle with this? Well, I can point to some pain points in my life, some, some fear points that I don't want to, to risk it, and I'm kind of afraid of rejection and those sorts of things. But just from a sociological standpoint, you think about our culture and our society. One is we have increased mobility, all right? And you know this right here in Los Alamos. Most of us are not from here. We have, we have been transplanted from another place, and just the mobility of our society and our culture that we can come and go and see, and it, it, it can put a strain on some of the community that we've developed. Los Alamos is a transient town. A lot of people come in for a few years and then they leave. And there's nothing wrong with this, just to highlight the fact that it makes relationships and connection hard. Another thing that makes it a little bit hard, why do we suffer from relational poverty, is modern conveniences. Modern conveniences. Now, most of us probably didn't have to deal with this, but things like indoor plumbing, all right? I'm great. These are things I'm grateful for, by the way. All right, I don't want no one knowing my business going out to the backyard or whatever, but we have, we have indoor plumbing now, fantastic, praise Jesus. All right, but also air conditioning. Now we have, when it's hot outside or we have central air, 
we, we don't have to go outside and, and play or, or do anything because I'm one of the few in Los Alamos that does have air conditioning, by the way. Uh, I will unapologetically blast that. Um, we just happen to have happen across. I realize in Los Alamos, maybe I'm like hitting a trigger point for some of you guys. But in as culture in general, all right, we have air conditioning. We also, uh, gosh, this may not be a Los Alamos thing, but this is America in general, the attached garage. All right, I know in Los Alamos, you're like, man, everyone parks in the street, <laughs> in my street. I can't even get down the street. But the attached garage that people can now, they don't have to go outside for air conditioning, but you don't even got to see them. Uh, you know, they just, you see the car, they drive in the garage, and you never even see them. Phones. You know, there was a time in a day, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but if you wanted to see who was calling you, you actually had to pick up the phone and answer it and talk to them and see who it was. All right? And then you had the answering machine that came in. And now if I, if I maybe if I didn't want to know who it was, it might be this person, I don't know, it could just go to answering machine. And then you had caller ID, and then you knew who it was. And now we have texting. And this is kind of a new phenomenon that sociologists are picking up on, that you, you know this because you do this. You see the call, and you're kind of like waiting for the call to go away. You're afraid to press a button because it might accidentally pick up, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to you now. You're waiting for it to go silent so you can get back to your movie or your video game or something, but you would prefer to text over a call. Why? Because I can control the narrative a little bit better on texting. A voice conversation now I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what you're going to ask me. I don't know how this is going to go, and it would be easier, and I'm a control freak, and I'm a little bit convicted on this too, that I don't have to pick up because I can text, and I can kind of direct and, and, and direct this conversation the way I want to go over text message now. Modern conveniences can help. Now also, we have uh, entertainment, okay? You can, you have individualized entertainment right on your phone, right on your tablet. I don't even have to go to the movie theater anymore unless I just want to. I don't have to get out. Everything can come to me, and it's specific to me. Now, I like this, but we got to understand these things impact relationships. Online shopping, online baking, like we learned in COVID. Some of us, we don't even have to get out to the store anymore. It just comes straight to our house. I'm grateful for these things. I'm kind of convinced we could get a, a, a work-from-home job, travel around the world, go and, and sightsee and do different things, have all the entertainment and have all the goods delivered, live a happy and luxurious life, but something would still be missing. Someone would still be missing. In fact, I would argue that a group of someones would be missing because it's in our DNA that we need community. But we are in a highly individualized culture and community. We would be wise and smart to recognize that and how it works against us in this. Why do we have relational uh, poverty, increased mobility, modern conveniences, rise in social media, which I love online and I love social media. But it is the age of immediate feedback. I get that dopamine hit of a like or a comment and it momentarily relieves my loneliness, but always leaves me wanting. So I'm not against these things, but I just want to be wise and understanding how they work against me 
in building relationship and community. Would we have the courage today to acknowledge that maybe what we're doing, how we've allotted our times and our priorities, could we acknowledge today that maybe what I'm doing is backwards? That we would have a Romans 12 moment where it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you is, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so we've looked at the lost art of friendship, the healthy ingredients to community and thriving relationships here in Los Alamos or wherever you go in the world, because it really doesn't change. We're going to continue to look at that today and in the coming weeks. But for review, we've said it takes time. You, you will just not have that instant friendship. You might have an instant connection. Hey, we, we like these things or we struggle with these things and we connect. But friendship, community, deep friendship takes time. Sociologists would say it's going to go from a casual acquaintance to friend 100 hours. From friend to like a ride or die friend, you're looking at 200 plus hours time spent together. It takes time and it takes hard work. Friendships, you need to be present. Be where your butt is, as my counselor would say. The nice way would say, be where your feet are. But so many of us are here, but we're not here. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You're checking the score of the football game. I know it. ha, <laughs> ha. I'd be doing it too, all right? I'm okay. We can multitask, all right? I'm glad you're here, by the way. Week one of the NFL, and you are here. I know the Cowboys play tonight, but you're here. Give yourself some credit for that, all right? Because I'm just like, hey, that's not an easy thing for us football fans. I get that. I get that. I get that. But you got to be present. Relationships. Oh, let me get on your job for a little bit, because this is for someone. Like, your job is so busy. Let me be a little bit harsh. In 200 years, no one's going to care. You're like, well, I work with uh, nuclear material. It's going to last for like billions of years. Okay, whatever, whatever. <clears throat> no. We are told what we do right here, right now, in the present matters for eternity. This earth is temporary, and our, we focus to be present. Don't miss the kingdom. Not the earthly kingdom. Not America like we talked about a few weeks ago. God's kingdom right here in front of you. And there are people in front of you who need to know about Jesus and his love for them and how much God loves them too. You, you are in that workplace to develop something for eternity. Your, real jo your job is secondary to the kingdom. And then it's a village. It takes a village to start seeing the people right in front of you as potential people to build this community. That, look, we have a group here of 60, 70, 80 adults in this room, and God wants you to start opening your eyes. You're like, I don't know anyone here. I don't know, I don't know. But it's a starting place to start building community and relationships, this New, Te this New Testament, one another. That not one person, this magical unicorn that you're looking for, this one person is going to fulfill all of your, your friendship goals. No, it is more than likely going to be a community, a village of people. So now I can appreciate that you, you're not the funny person, all right? 
You don't have to be the funny person because that's not how God created you. That's somebody else over here. They make me. I have a community and a village of people, and I can appreciate who, who God created you to be and how he's allowed you to be in my life. And I don't have to be that one person for everybody else. I can be me. It's the New, it's the new Testament one another. Here's, here's God's design right here. You are members of God's family. He called it a family. You have your physical blood family, but he designed a spiritual family for you, a community of people. You are members of God's family. We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets. The cornerstone is Jesus himself. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord himself. So you can't, you can't just be, well, it's just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. All I need to worship is just me and Jesus. You can say that, technically true for salvation, but you read the New Testament, you got to write out like 90% of it because Jesus was always with people, and those people were commanded to always be with one another, loving and bearing each other's burdens. Here's why you want this, right? I'm going to talk about what do we need to do in another ingredient. But when you find a place... When you find a community of people, when you can be yourself, your awkward self, your, your more real self, your sinful self, like that thing, that thing that you try to just wear the mask and not show, I'm not going to tell anyone because if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me, you would bolt. And that sort of stuff. But when you find that place, when you can open up and be vulnerable and you're still accepted, you're not judged. This is a loving place. I can talk about these things, I can be real. You love that place. Those are the relationships that you hold on to that are near and dear to you. When you see that, you want that. Quick plug for Celebrate Recovery, because those guys go at it every single week. Rita used to help in there, and I remember she, would, she was kind of doing some counseling, interning and stuff, and she would help and lead in that group. And she would come home, not saying exactly what it said, because they're keeping confidentiality, but she said, Mike, if you knew how raw these guys were, how raw these women were, and what they were showing, and the amount of love and acceptance that they had for one another, and the healing and the progress and the for, like, for, she's like, this is the best church experience I've ever had in my life. But few people are willing to have the courage to do that. You think, well, celebrate recovery. That's for people who have like porn addictions, drug addictions, alcohol addictions. Listen, you got you may not hit one of those top ones or whatever, but you got an addiction too. You are a professional pretender. I want to be known for this, but what happens when you don't measure up to this? We project. We protect the image. We try to put up the image that you think I will like in order to, you will like to be accepted by you. And so the moment you start, the moment you start to protect the image, 
and, and keep the image and wear the mask. You stop improving and stop, get, stop getting better. Because you're trying to, you're putting all your attention off of the fake you, the imaginary you, that I, the pretend you that I don't even know. And trying to connect with that. When you are real and authentic, oh, all of a sudden, how I connect with your weaknesses. But we're too afraid. Because if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. And to be honest, I did do that. And then you left. You really knew me and you didn't like me and you left. I have proof in my back pocket to show why this doesn't work. But don't give up. Don't give up. You want a great relationship. You want friendships and community like the Bible talks about. This is a non-negotiable ingredient, all right? You're gonna, you got the recipe for friendship. One of the ingredients that you got to put in there is vulnerability. You have got to, at some point, be open and vulnerable. And I know already in the room, I can feel the tension. The walls are up, all right? Walls are up. Mike, I've been hurt before. Ain't happening. Or walls are up. I hurt somebody else. That thing, that thing that you did, that secret that's going to the grave ain't coming out, Mike. I am not going to be open. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I knew a family one time that um, early on in marriage, the husband, um, I found out that he was committing adultery. Um, And it was an online thing. A little later on in marriage, got busted again. I don't know, they, they stayed together, but it happened again years later, third time. Third time, done. They called some of the family and friends, church family together, and basically had an intervention. He walked into the room, and there was a group of people there, had no idea it was coming, had an intervention. Now, he thought he was going to get pummeled. I mean, in-laws were there, just read them, you know, he knew, he knew. And in that moment, he would have deserved it. But they looked at him, called him out on his stuff, but said, you got to get better. Whether the marriage survives or not doesn't matter. But you have got to get better. And talking to that gentleman and there's been many cases like this in my years, and you probably saw this too. The person who got caught, as soon as they got caught and it was brought out into the open, into the light, they felt guilty, they felt shame, but they also felt something they didn't expect, freedom. They were kind of glad that the secret was out because they didn't have to hold on to it anymore. That for the first time, they could be like, this is me, the ugly side of me, the dark side of me. No one was excusing the behavior, all right? And I'm not excusing the behavior at all. There's real consequences for that. But there was the idea of being open and vulnerable, bought some freedom. And what I want to say is, you don't have to screw up or mess up or ruin your marriage or relationships or your career in order to find that freedom. It doesn't have to go down that way. And if it's already gone down that way, you don't have to stay chained to that thing. There is freedom. There may be consequences. And maybe that's what you fear. You fear the consequences of your actions. 
more than you do being able to bring it out into the open. But so many people, when you are open and vulnerable, you bring stuff out into the open and you find healing. James, the brother of Jesus. James, like if you're like, man, what did Jesus' brothers think about him? You actually have that in the Bible. (laughs) It's right there. This is his brothers who believe that Jesus is the Lord, the Messiah. All right. Confess your sins to each other. One of the, my least favorite verses in the Bible. What? No, no thank you. I'm out. I'll confess to God. I'll confess to a counselor. I'll pay them. They'll keep it confidential. But you guys, no way. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Friends, this is the church. It is supposed to be a pretend-free zone. Is it? Rhetorical question, you know. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time When is the last time you were transparent with a person or small group of persons about your sin or your hang-up or your habit? And they stopped and they prayed over you. Some of you may not have ever experienced a moment like this, and I want this for you. I want this for you because if you've ever been in that moment, these are moments in life where God does something in you with a community of people and transformation starts to take place. This is God's design of community, but we shy away from this. And these moments are powerful and they're healing. David said it like this in the Old Testament. He says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through the groaning all day long. This is the stuff, keeping it silent wreaks havoc on your body. Guilt that you carry, the shame that you carry, it's experienced as a weight and it weighs you down day after day after day. And Jesus says, come to me, come to me, come to me, all who are weary and I'll give you rest, but I've given you a community to help carry your burdens. In fact, that's what he says. He says, if any other believer, another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Not gossip about them. Not walk away from them, but help them. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself, but share each other. There it is again. Share one another's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Hello. I can't share your burden if I'm only talking to the pretend you. At some point, at some point, and I'm not talking about me. I want you to get into a group doesn't have to be a big group. Because let me, people get so upset about, I'll talk specifically freedom, some of the feedback I get. They're like, Mike, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody. 
This here is a, is a catalyst for knowing people, but this is rows. This is a crowd. The design of Sunday mornings is here to praise Jesus. All right? I'm all for community, but you, you're not going to find it here. Not this. This is going to happen in much smaller groups, in a circle, around a table. And so we have connect groups, connect group leaders. Let me give you a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of assignment. You're, the people that are in your group this semester, they really don't care how much you know about the Bible or if you teach a great lesson. It's important that you teach Bible and, and, and good truth. But if they can connect with you guys, if they know that you care, if they find a place that is a safe place to open up and be real and I'm not going to be judged, they're going to love that. And your group is going to be phenomenal. I've been in groups where we have kind of that first meeting. A lot of these groups are going to be meeting for the first time. And we don't know each other. And so we're kind of just sharing a little bit about ourselves, a little bit about our family, and, and kind of going into it. All right, here's, here's something that's, you know, here's a stressor in my life. And we kind of share those things and go through. But then you get into the group. I, and like the third or fourth person, you kind of see, they kind of look, have this look. And you're like, am I going to do this or not? And they skip all the surface stuff, and they just get right to, here's the stuff. And there might be a tear that's shed or something like that. And all of a sudden, you kind of see group number one that went first. They're kind of like, uh, we need to go again. <laughs> because I deal with that too. Or I had that hurt too in my family. Or I went through something like that a long time ago. Or I'm in the middle of that right now. And we kind of open up and we start to connect. I've been in groups like that where I, I did that once. I, I stayed surface level, and I'm with a group of online guys and, and kind of having this, this group session, and I said the surface level stuff, and we were about ready to say goodbye and hang up and go. I said, no, uh-uh. I'm not waiting until the final week to really open up. I said, week one, I just, guys, here it is. Boom, this is me. Here's our struggle. And we went for another hour because we're praying over one another, and that group, we bonded on week one. Don't wait. Don't wait to be up. So let me, as we close out, let me give you just a little bit of homework assignments, all right? Invite a family over to dinner or somewhere. Invite them to coffee or something. Invite them to your connect group. We say here we want to honor the table, all right? Here is great. We're going to worship Jesus. It's a catalyst for relationships. You can kind of check in with people and stuff like that. But when you and I sit around a table eye to eye, there's something about food and coffee and a table for me anyway. Like we can connect. We can start to talk. We can have major disagreements about things, but we can still love one another across from a table. I want you to take a risk and invite somebody, one another around a table and get to know somebody. Borrow something from your neighbor. Borrow something. This is, this is humiliating. In our individualistic society, I don't need to borrow a wrench. Why? Because I can just buy it and get it off Amazon Prime in two days, or I can run to Metzger's or whatever. Borrow it. Just for the sake of killing your pride just a little bit. That's what I'm after. It's not going to be best friend zone. No, not looking for that. But your pride. 
Your pride needs to go down a notch. When you borrow something from a neighbor, hey, I don't got this, I'm sorry. Or whatever, but it's going to create that little interaction. But this one I want you to do, if you're in a connect group, and I want you to be in a connect group, because I want them to be different. I want them to be different. Go first. Go first in being open and vulnerable. Now, I realize it may, there's some, some boundaries to some extent on how much you share. But whatever it is, if you're like level one vulnerable to level 10 vulnerable, and you're like, I'm just good at one, well, why, why, why not a two? Make yourself a little bit uncomfortable. You don't have to go all the way to 10. But open up a little bit so we can see the real you and who you are. My, my, my friend, my fa the family that I knew that went through that separation and he had committed adultery, only a God thing, because it was, didn't know what it was going to do, they're still together. They decided, with a lot of flack from a lot of people, and even friends who said, I don't know why you're doing this, but they felt like this is what God was calling them to do, and they didn't even know why they were doing it, but if they felt like God was doing it, they're still together. And you know what? They're starting to make their story public. And you know what they're starting to do is they're being vulnerable, they're finding a whole heck of a lot of people coming out of the woodwork, stop playing pretend and saying, we're struggling too. What did you guys do? We're str I, 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 I'm in a divorce. I'm divorced. I'm still struggling with that. Or we decided to stay together and I'm struggling. What do we do? And this is what you find. When you are comforted in your troubles, as it says in 2 Corinthians, we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. But that only comes with you being real and being open and not being fake. Confess your sins to each other. You confess to God for forgiveness, but friends, you confess to one another for healing and freedom. That's where it's at, and that's what I want. This is the gospel. <laughs> As we close this out, this is the gospel. This is Jesus. All of us are sinners, and we are messed up, and God knows it. And yet he still loves you, and he still accepts you. He still says, you're my number one draft pick. You're my starter. You're in. I want you. I love you. Let's go. And Satan wants to mess you up. He wants it to go down in flames. So you'll stay silent. And, and we see this happen over and over and over again. And if you would start to open up, if you would start to be vulnerable, if you would start to share, and you start building those relationships in that community where you are accepted and they're going to encourage you. And when you want to give up, they're right there with you saying, hey, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. They'll call you out. I need some truth. I need community because guess what? You don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. We're blind. We have our blind spots. I need other people in my life that can see things that I can't. And so Romans 8 says there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. Friends, when we are able to jump into this mess, this is the best in relationships because we're finally working on us. You're not protecting the brand. 
You're not protecting the image known as you. You are being real and you are working on you. And this is God's design. Final question. Who is looking out for you? Who is one person in your life that is looking out for you? Chances are if you went on a vacation this summer, you had your neighbors, and you said, hey, I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks. Would you mind just kind of watching the place, kind of watching, you know, I got an Amazon package coming. Can you kind of watch that? Because we want our stuff looked out for. Nothing wrong with wanting your stuff looked out for, but who's watching out for your soul? Can anyone roll up on you and know, hey, I'm not seeing this right? Most of us, we do not have that person. We got a starting place, connect groups. If you're not in a connect group, quite honestly, I'm not territorial. Get in a Christian community with somebody and start being the real, authentic you. You're missing out. You're missing out, and Satan wants to mess you up and trip you up. Jesus says it like this. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? No. 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 Let's stand and let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.